Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Prestige podcast. Today, we're talking about the very prestigious, uh, very dapped by the Academy, 1985's Witness. This is directed by Peter Weir, who has consistently done interesting films. I uh, got started off in the Australian scene, made the last wave. Do you remember that movie that the the Australian spiritual apocalyptic movie that got oh, name checked so many times? The leftovers, season two and three, of the leftovers. Yeah, uh, of course, Dead Poet Society, The Truman Show. I know you and I love The Truman Show, uh, and my personal favorite, Master and Commander, Far Side of the World. Uh, it's uh, shot off a screenplay by Earl W. Wallace, who was a lifelong staff writer on old westerns, like How the West Was Won, Seven Brides with Seven Brothers. And he kept a script that he worked on on Gunsmoke and poked and prodded it for over 20 years and turned it into this Witness movie. Uh, his hmm. sole film credit and something he won a fucking Oscar for, correct? I mean, I guess if you work, yes, he did. If you work on a script for 20 years, it better win an Oscar or you're going to feel kind of underwhelmed. Kind of, kind of, kind of wild, kind of wild that the, with that pedigree, uh, it stars Harrison Ford. Y'all don't need uh, an exhaustive rundown of Harrison Ford's career, right? Han Solo, Indiana Jones. Who? Uh, Kelly McGillis stars as this movie as well you'll probably remember if you're a child of the 80s her being very very sexy and as charlie from top gun um she's very demure in this film lucas haas as uh the kid in this movie uh he's done a lot of character work over over his whole 40-year career been uh things i know i've seen him in mars attacks inception the revenant um also a personal favorite of mine alexander uh who is a Russian ballet artist who went to America for like two or three years in the eighties and fucking just did nothing but bangers witness die hard, the money pit. And he was out. What, 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 what a legend. Uh, Danny Glover's in this movie as an evil narcotics officer. Of course, you'll recognize him. Uh, long career, lethal weapon, the color purple baby ass Vigo Mortensen. Right. Uh, shows up in this movie. Uh, of course, you'll know him as uh, you know, the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yes, as and well as the, the dance. His, uh, and yeah. the professor of violence. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, another fun little bald move note. Robert Earl Jones is in this movie. The father of Darth Vader. No. Yeah, he plays the janitor that the Harrison Ford briefly talks to towards the beginning of this film. Okay. Um, nice. But yeah, I, I had no idea that Darth Vader A had a father and B he had a fairly long and storied career in, in film as well. This is one of his uh, later roles. Uh and wasn't that his whole thing he didn't have a father? Wasn't he immaculately conceived? <laughs> he was a virgin's in the force. Right? This the, the, I don't the, buy this, it. this new lore. This new lore is blowing my mind. Yeah. Um what do you think of this what do you think of this film, Jim? Uh, I I mostly like this movie. I, I would say I would I was kind of looking at my watch part part of the way through this, going, "Am I gonna enjoy this thing?" Um, although there's plenty to like up front. I think just getting into like the Amish lifestyle, and this movie definitely wants you to get 
a feel for what it's like to be Amish, uh, especially there at the beginning. They they spend a lot of time with waving fields of grass and Beautiful. like carriage rides, a horse-drawn carriage rides, um, barns and grain and silos and cows and all the things you think of when beards. you think of... Uh, oh, oh, beards. Lots of beards. The beards. The hats, the suits. The complete uh, the suspenders. lack of mustache. Uh, and so I was like kind of getting into that, but it wasn't like sucking me in, um, the way that I was kind of hoping a Harrison Ford movie would. And somewhere in the middle, like when it gets to the part about him essentially becoming Amish and what it really means to be Amish, not just the, the fields of, of grass and wheat and all that shit the the movie actually like, I thought really packs a a punch about like you know what what kind of life are you going to lead and what are the consequences of your choices and just like a lot of big heady topics in this movie um that is ostensibly a, a murder investigation and a dirty cop scenario but mm-hmm. man that feels almost ancillary to the thing that the movie is doing i agree this um yeah, it's it's described as a neo-noir film, which I guess it is, but oh, like what? <laughs> wow, hanging on to that definition by its fingernails. Yeah. Um, it's so you know, I've grown up around the Amish. You know, mm-hmm. there there's a lot of them up in northern Indiana. I dated a girl who was the chief of police for Ligonier, Indiana, which is like essentially an Amish town. Hmm. Um where we're at, like, you know, there's quite a lot of Amish in Ohio. Um, I've always been kind of interested and, and, and fascinated with them. Um, but like every time you're in Amish country, if you go to like an Amish restaurant or an Amish store, there's like all these like kind of racks of what looks like softcore Amish porn. Lots of, uh, girls with bonnets on looking into the sunset with like, uh, titles like, uh, chased heart or, you know stuff like that and like i've always wondered what they would be about and i swear to god this movie has got to be like the best of the genre because aside from the crime story this is a love story about a big city cop who is wounded and made vulnerable mm-hmm. and by the earnest uh you know modest uh administrations of this Amish community personified by this very very beautiful Amish girl uh, he, he he learns to appreciate uh, their simplicity they learn to appreciate his hard work and dedication and you know he's he's left forever changed and it sounds corny but like that's the thing like I was with you like the first 30 40 minutes of this film I'm like I don't understand why this film is so highly regarded mm-hmm. and then it just starts like both parts of the plot start to really click like the basic tension thriller of the murder, you know, corrupt cop narcotic storyline and the romance of Harrison Ford and, and McGinnis. Um, and what really impressed me is cause I'm like, I know what's going to happen. They're going to do this. And they're going to do that. And then this is going to happen. And like this movie completely astounded me by having the actors who are playing characters, I think in their thirties, they're mature people make very mature and adult decisions, like loving decisions for Mm -hmm. each other um, based on like the full information that they have about like, you know, and I I just thought I was just kind of blown away and, and, and and by by how much heat 
this movie is able to generate from fairly chaste uh, scenes. You know, there is a there's a topless oh, yeah. Amish scene. Yeah, some, that's some little bit of rumspringa. That that was wild. I was not expecting that in this movie. Although it's rated R, is that right? It is. I think so. It's got some yeah, uh, not particularly shocking violence, but effective. Um, uh huh. A little bit of blood. yeah. Probably the the titties. Titties got it. The R. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I was surprised by that scene. But you're right. Like everybody, as somebody who's been through a shunning, right? Um, I understand all the things, all the concerns that are going through her head, right? Like she i'm trying to determine as i'm watching this how devoted she is to the amish lifestyle and it seems like she's all the way in but there are a couple of things around the edges that she's just like why do we have to do this a particular way right um and especially since a lot of good. the answer apparently is because it sets us apart from the world yeah and- I know how unsatisfying an answer that can be. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Uh, the world washes their ass, mom. I don't know. Maybe uh, we should set ourselves apart. You know, does Ash wash it? uh, That's something from the devil. He's an angel of light. He wants you to wash your ass. Let's stop washing her ass. Like, yeah, I I get it. I don't know where the sin is in using a power drill, but okay. Okay. If that's where you want to go, sure. Uh, So I've actually collected a lot of Amish lore. Okay, I want to talk about my life, and I because I and I I actually yeah because I used to think um, Robot K is here in chat asking a question about like do we view the Amish as a cult? And I think it's a lot more complicated than it is when you're talking about like Scientology, Jehovah's Witnesses, and uh, some of the other big religions that that uh, focus on shunning and excommunication. Because I just think there's a fun, uh, but but it's it's a subtle difference, and people might be like, "Yeah, you're." You're crazy. Uh, I don't know. Any religion that uh, shuns for perceived breaking of rules. I, eh. Because eh. the way it's he describes tough. it is it's exactly like the Jehovah's Witness shunning, where I yeah, can't I, speak I agree. to you, it's, you're it's, no longer my daughter, that kind of thing. No, it's pretty tough. On, uh, and like, uh, I definitely want to talk about it. Should we, uh, do we have any like more preamble for this, or should I describe the movie and we can get into spoilers? Uh, yeah, do it. Uh, so this movie is kind of got a fascinating uh, plot you know it's a one hell of a gun smoke plot uh a amish family goes into the big city to uh, visit her sister her husband's recently passed away leaving her a young widow with an eight-year-old boy uh she goes to visit uh to her sister and she has to make a train connection in the big city a uh, little boy uses a bathroom and while he's in the stalls uh there's a grisly murder that takes place and he witnesses it through the cracks in the stall and he's able to avoid detection and suddenly, this little Amish kid uh, finds himself uh, the star witness of a murder trial that is going to embroil what is what is this Philadelphia the the uh-huh. entire Philadelphia Police uh, Narcotics Department apparently, um, and uh, he is, has to flee for their life as well as Harrison Ford, uh, and they hide out in Amish country. Yeah, that's like the first fifteen minutes of the film. It's very efficiently set up, and the rest is a cat and mouse game. The corrupt cops trying to, uh, you know, assassinate Harrison Ford, his witness, and uh, Harrison Ford living amongst the Amish and learning of their ways. Um, and I, I think it's great. I think it's worth anybody's time. If you have any affection for uh, Harrison Ford, this is some of Harrison Ford's best work. Uh, I don't know if you agree with me on that, but like, mm, I mean, it's good, but I, I think. Like his best Gosh, work what, is what have you seen him better in Han Solo? Oh, I mean, he's oh, fantastic oh. as Han Solo. 
All right. I was talking. We're we're talking prestige film, sir. Uh, okay. Yeah, All he right. looks good in the ripped shirt, sw- swinging a whip and and ra- waving a, a ray gun. But uh-huh. no, all of the uh, maybe we could start there. Like the stuff that I I really like about Harrison Ford. I like that Harrison Ford in this movie gets to be a carpenter. Like a li- like before he was a movie star, he was a fucking carpenter. That's mm-hmm. how he kind of got discovered. He was like literally carpenting on movie sets and making fine furniture. And they're like, you know what? You're pretty tall and you got an interesting draw to you. Why don't you sit in here in this muscle car and we'll get you on camera. Yeah. And the rest is kind of fucking history. Um, but like gets to be a legit woodworker. And you can kind of tell like he like he, like that's the thing. Like um, he, he was doing stuff with that. <laughs> yeah i mean i've seen my granddad in the wood shop and like you know the way like he was getting down and like looking at an angle with his eye and i'm like no nah, wait a second i'm not buying his big city cop going out here and repairing his birdhouse and like looking and then he explains that like oh actually i've done some woodwork and i grew up and and i'm like oh so it's part of the plot that he actually already it, and i don't know it's it's uh it's the same kind of thing when you see uh, uh ron swanson yeah, you know, Nick woodworking. yeah Nick Offer, it's like yeah, it's it's just kind of like yeah, that guy's good at doing that thing and doing that thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, also, another thing I like about Harrison Ford's performance, I like when Harrison Ford gets like that 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 scream of rage and fear that where his voice starts breaking, it gets really super high pitched. Like anytime he's screaming at you know Marion or Willie or in this case a kid to go run from a hail of bullets or something, he gets that kind of like high pitched. Uh, I love that about Harrison Ford. I love Harrison Ford's finger of doom. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> sure. Yeah. When he when he jams that finger right in the camera and he he forces someone to back the fuck off with just the sheer moral weight of his convictions. How how dare you, Mr. President? Those people trusted you. Yeah. He gets he gets this, to do that. That's how the fucking movie resolves, man. I, I know, I know. I was shocked to see that. I'm like, okay, here comes the firefight. And no, it's just a finger fight. He is. He just backs them the fuck off with the mm-hmm. all the witnesses that he's surrounded with and uh, the moral outrage that this guy's going to kill men and women and children. Mm-hmm. What? To make a few bucks? What the fuck? Um, and also, this I think you, you, you get to hear a genuine Harrison Ford laugh in the scene where he's dancing with McGinnis. Um, like, I've seen mm-hmm. Harrison Ford fake laugh a lot and like but every once in a while, in, a, in a, the rare interview he's engaged in and having a good time, he did a bunch in, with Blade Runner with Gosling, because I guess those two are like BFF or something. He has kind of like a surprisingly high-pitched uh, laugh, and when he was dancing with McGinnis, uh, a couple of those got out. And I thought I was uh, hmm. really charmed by his performance. Um, yeah, I like how he's he doesn't seem to act too much. He's always just Harrison Ford, and it, he feels like an everyman because of that um like like i could be harrison ford you know like if i were slightly better looking and lived in la or something like i could be harrison ford he's just a dude and attractive useful skills like uh, carpentry rather than slinging code and talking in a microphone yeah Uh something to have real self-esteem about sure (laughs) yeah so i i don't know i i like that um i could never be like a brad pitt i could never be a leonardo dicaprio but i could be harrison ford on your best for yeah, and your yeah. best you could I can, I can see that. But I, I, I do don't I don't think this is like your standard Harrison Ford performance because he's just a lot more vulnerable than normal. Uh-huh. Um like, you know, like just from like literally, like he's physically frail in the beginning because he got gut shot. He's lost a lot of blood and he's kind of recuperating on the men for like the first half of this movie. 
Um, you know, he's got a gun that like he's got like three bullets. Um, and uh, and and also like uh, I also think of Harrison Ford as being kind of awkward around kids. Like, um, mm-hmm. it's interesting because this movie came out right around, I think that right before mosquito coast. And he's also really good with river Phoenix, but in a completely different kind of like domineering, like a slightly abusive way. And this is the first time I've actually seen him like connect and have chemistry with the, with the kid. There's like, he's like really mm-hmm. nails the father son thing. Um, in fact, I thought that they were going for like a Shane type ending where the kid's going to like beg him to stay or something like that. When it's clear that like, you know, from the mom's perspective, from his perspective, the best thing for them all because he'd be miserable out there. She'd be miserable in the city is for him to, but like, you know, that was very super like the kids kind of like matter of fact, like, all right, weird guy. See you later. Yeah. The kid Um, just kind of walks through this movie wide eyed. Um, Like, I'm not saying it's a bad performance. I'm just saying that's all he was asked to do. Uh, He just kind of is there for most of it. Although I, I I think that the, the one thing that kind of really, you're right. I think he was, kind of a blank uh mm-hmm. you know not anything like a Haley joel osmond or something like that no but the th- the stuff he did in the bathroom the phys- like you know like uh yeah. acting terrified and trying to be kind of like little kid resourceful and slippery i thought that was pretty good to act that mm-hmm. naturally and authentically a kid when you're that young and you're on camera um, yeah i liked um just following him around as he walked through the train station uh as he <laughs> You know, thought he had found a fellow Amish person, and it turned out to be a Jewish person <laughs> in the city. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah it, him just kind of like gawking at the the sense of scale and the like this you know, crazy world, right? That yeah, this like gothic religious imagery that he you know obviously is nothing like anything that he recognizably that it's probably from the Bible, but like mm-hmm. this is like larger than life. This is a lot different from my wood hewn use that i'm used to yeah um but uh he does what he needs to do which is be a cute kid mm-hmm. and that's about it uh what do you think of kelly mcginnis because i really liked her um yeah hey she's attractive so she's probably easier to like because of that but also right. I, I i felt yeah. for her um she did seem kind of stuck in a situation where you know, her heart wasn't entirely in the thing she had been born into, but also that's her family. Um, and so she's kind of torn between, you know, this new potential love that she's found, this, this man she's really clicking with, and then knowing what that means if she were to pursue it. Uh, it's just, you know, an impossible situation and I felt for her. The thing is, is like I don't think that she was ever unhappy in her community's restrictions until Harrison Ford showed up. Like he, I think she right. just like, and I think in a lesser movie they would give in, like you know that they just yeah. found each other extremely attractive because they're extremely attractive people. They're good people, and like mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong, like Har- you know, nothing wrong with Harrison Ford. Like Harrison Ford's not the type of English that like most Amish are worried about. Although, you know, he's still pretty fucking English. Um. And she's, you know, not as regimented and, and curious as, like, you know, you think of uh, some of these uh, maybe cloistered Amish women would be a little bit more free-spirited and adventurous. So you can see, like, what they like in each other. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah, I don't I don't know. Like, I, as I was watching this movie, I'm like, no way Harrison Ford would be happy out here. Like, this is a nice change of pace for him. Mm-hmm. But, like, what little we see him in the movie, he's just way too cynical and hard-bit to, like, 
truly enjoy this kind of life. So it's him staying as a no-go. And then I, I guess this is the part where we have to kind of talk about the Amish and if they're a cult or not. Okay. Because I have a hard time. I have a hard time with this. Um, because I, I think the difference, because there's a lot of difference, there's a lot of similarities in the way we we, we were raised uh, yeah. uh, in terms of like the strict moral codes and stuff. There's a lot of differences. You know, we could play video games mm-hmm. at TV. You know, we were like not that far removed from, from civiliz- civilization. No, the Mennonites but are I, actually closer to what we yeah, grew up as. They're like and another. They get a mention. Not, they get a shout out in this. Do they? I didn't. I, cause uh-huh. I, I, I was wondering if they would. Uh, you know bring up that but uh, and there's there's like there's also extremely strict uh, Amish and there's more liberal there's like a whole continuum mm-hmm. um, but the thing is is you get like you get a lot from being an Amish person you know like your community will care for you in every way like when you uh, you they will raise you they will feed and clothe you they will love you when you grow up and it's time for you to make your way out they will give you the land and farm equipment you need they'll build you a fucking barn uh you know if you get sick they'll care for you they'll take you like amish believe in medicine they like they they like do all the you know uh uh standards of care and whatnot they'll get radiation therapy and all that kind of stuff um if you are sick or you get injured they'll take care of you for like essentially ever um they ask a lot but they but they give a lot and the other thing is like that really sells me on them is that they have informed consent of their members like one of the things that they do we talked about made a little joke about the rum springer but like amish teenagers from the time they're like 14 to like some fuzzy period uh, until they get to you know like you know 18 19 have a lot of the conduct restrictions lifted i know it's different from like region to region congregation to congregation because that's another thing that i admire about the amish um they're not exactly as rigid and lockstep as some others, but um, you're, you're, they're they're allowed to like go and experience the world: sex, drugs, alcohol, rock and roll. Uh, you know, and how many how many youth do you think come back uh, and join the Amish church after that period? Uh, let's say fifty fifty. That's what I thought too. I, I know the witnesses is considerably worse record than that for like kids that like adopt the faith, um, but they're far below 50%. Amish retention rates are upwards of 90%. Yeah. Some, okay. some, some, some sects are like at, at the ones that are ironically, the more liberal ones are up to 95%. Hmm. And I don't know, like if you, as an adult, after you've freely experienced the other things, um, and I know it's not, it's, it, there's a lot, it's a big difference between, growing up normal and going through and then like you know growing up in a kind of puritanical size society and like going full in on the buffet table for two or three years like you know there's there's a whole yeah. difference in that experience but like i feel like if you have tasted those things and you, you know like i actually like the simple life i like this community i felt better i felt less stress i like the connection and you sign up for it then like yeah i mean if you because from the amish perspective the idea that like they have to protect, you know, like if, if uh, a guy like Harrison Ford starts punching out tourists, that's a threat to them. You know, if they got to get, start getting notorious for being mm-hmm. alcoholics or drunk, you know, whatever, it, they, they have to enforce some kind of standard. But um, at least they do it amongst adults. And it seems like there's I mean, yeah, that, that's knowledge of it. That, that to me, the the one word you use there, adult, um, makes it a lot more acceptable because uh, I know certainly in the faith that we grew up in, there's a lot of pressure for kids to get 
to dedicate their yeah. lives to the organization, um, to God. Yeah. And that is what is, in my opinion, morally reprehensible because kids can't make an informed decision. They just can't. Um, right. It's why we don't allow kids to sign contracts, buy houses, rent fucking cars, right? Like, Oh, and that's the you, thing. That's the other thing is about the, the hypocrisy of it is what bothers me, too, because... Um, you know, witnesses will sneer at Catholics for infant baptism, but then happily baptize an eight-year-old, you know, like an eight-year-old understands a lot more about the world than the newborn, (laughs) but like there is a huge gap between that and an 18-year-old and then a huge gap between that and a 30-year-old. So like, which by the way is when Jesus baptized, was baptized and I think should be the gold standard for Christians everywhere. Sure. Um, sounds good. You know, if it's good enough for the lamb, lamb, lamb of lambs and what the hell. Um, but, but. But yeah, the, and that's the other thing, I guess, is like, from what I know of the Amish, is they're a lot more free of hypocrisy than your average, because they, it is kind of consensual, um, the, the, and, and there isn't like a top-down, like, this is what it means to be Amish. Every community kind of comes, they use this word Ordnung, Ordnung in the uh, this German word in the script, um, and it's about like their, the, their, their order, their, their, their rules of conduct and like the, their understanding of, of how their world works. And it's different from village to village, community to community, state to state. Um, and they're also like, a lot of people think the Amish are like, oh, they don't believe in electricity. It's not that. <laughs> I mean, they believe that they, it works, I'm sure. They believe it works, but they believe it makes you soft. And like, it gives you the ability, like you give a man, you give a man an ox and a plow, then he can provide for his family with a little surplus that can provide for the community. You give a man a tractor, suddenly he's farming 100, 200, 300 more acres than he can, making way more money than one person. And then that's the root of greed. That's the, and in fact, some Amish do own tractors. Like, uh, there was, a, a, a the, that one girl's dad told me about this one uh, guy got his leg crushed and the elders got together and was like well this guy can't you know keep up after his farm so we're going to chip in and buy him a tractor so that he can do the equivalent work of an able-bodied man and i was like that kind of flexibility and like you know they're not they're not anti-science necessarily they're anti being lazy and greedy and they have a whole bunch of like i think it's insane don't get me wrong like i'm not pitching for the amish i think it's insane to build walled gardens around conduct to keep people from going to hell but like the things that really drive me crazy is hypocrisy, lack of consent, and when it's all take, 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 and there's no give, give, give. And it seems like, I mean, oh, like I said, I, I wouldn't want to live that way, but I can see why it's extremely attractive to people that grew up that you never have to, well, you, you don't have to really ever worry. Your eternal salvation is guaranteed, your material <laughs> well-being, uh, so long as you follow the strict, the, the, the guidelines of the church is going to be provided for. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I could see how it could be. Um, I, I do feel like the, the distinction about the electricity stuff is sort of arbitrary because where do you draw the line? Right. They have, uh, creeks or streams doing work for them. Um, how is that right. not just a form of electricity? It's, it's, it's non-human work is what it is. Uh, and as long as those things are shared by the community, I don't know why they would limit the use of electricity that it seems like, I don't know. There, there's nobody out there powering that pump. I can tell you that much. <laughs> well, that's the, and that's, I guess the beauty thing is like, there's some, uh, Amish uh, places that let you do that and some that don't. And I, I don't know what the rules are of like, well, you know, I kind of like the water pump village. I'm going to walk over there and set up shop that. Or if you're right. like, but but you know like uh, I'm going to the other lap farm, the other one of the fifteen lap farms that has the pump. Yeah. 
I don't know. Seems arbitrary to me, but okay. But I, I do this whole diversion into this show to like, you know, this woman. A lot of times I think people think like, oh, well, this is just like, you know, uh, I don't know, like uh, some kind of like strict religion combined with some kind of old settlers LARP thing. But it's it's a lot. It's a it's a lot to walk away from. It's not just family and friends, but it's like it'd be like moving countries. Like in the United States, yeah. you have a certain amount of expectations for like, well, our healthcare sucks. But if I am dying and someone drops me off in an emergency room, they will treat me even if I can't pay. Uh, mm. I will have a social security that I can retire. Knock on wood. By the time I'm 65, I you know there's going to be like and then go into a country that has none of that stuff and maybe not even the rule of law like that is kind of like leaving what what like leaving the Amish would feel like and if i'm a mom mm-hmm. and i've got a young son and i've also got a fair fairly good looking suitor in the form of daniel next door uh harrison ford doesn't look as attractive a ship in the night you know yeah maybe she should give vigo a try i don't know she doesn't seem too enamored with this uh Didn't- daniel guy hmm. Because yeah, I'm annoyed by his advances and anything. Well, when Harrison shows up, mm-hmm. because he does start looking like the chicken salad sandwich next to the prime rib. But um, I and in fact, it was a little off putting that first scene where they're at her husband's funeral and he kind of like pays her her first respects and all the other Amish women are kind of like tittering about it. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, her, her husband is in the box next next room over. Yeah. Can, can you wait for the body to be? Daniel, can you wait for the body to be lowered into the grave before you yeah. start, you know, trying to knock off the 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 cute Amish widow? Can we? Can we do that? This guy, uh, this guy kills me. He's got. When I first saw him, I'm like, oh, is that is that Lambert? Is that Christopher Lambert? Uh, he does have name? a bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. He's he got that. the Lambert face, but then he smiled and he has Gary Busey smile. Gary Busey this- teeth. I. I don't know what's going on with this dude. This guy is so unconventionally or like conventionally unattractive, but carries (laughs) himself with the swagger of like a Jeff Goldblum. He's like Euro trash Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. All of his features are way too exaggerated. Don't fit his feet. feet. He's got a thinning hairline, kind of limp, but he always carries carries himself like he's a fucking rock god. Uh Uh, He is so fucking punchable in the money pit and, uh, and, and even die hard. Yeah. Uh, of course, he is playing a terrorist. Yeah, <laughs> a fa- uh, yeah, a fascist terrorist in that. But mm-hmm. but like he he's just so. And then this movie, like, there's definitely a, an interesting rivalry. That's why I, I like this. They, they keep coming back to the word adult. Um, but because he recognizes that, like, ah, Jesus Christ, I had this all sewn up, and now Harrison Ford shows up. Yeah, and he's walking around without a shirt, and he's fucking tan, <laughs> and he's got he's got perfect straight white teeth because he was fucking in English, and his dad got him. Di- so like. You can tell he's kind of like pouting about it, yeah. but by the barn raising, he's like, you know what? This is a pretty good guy, and I, I can't yeah. really, I can't really say much about the uh, if if uh, this uh, this lady chooses him over me. But he's also glad to see him go, like you know, the tip of the cap uh, as, he's, say, as he's riding out of it. <laughs> yeah, it probably helps that he knows, you know, how much she would have to give up to be with that guy. Uh how much her life would change and how scary that has to be. He's probably feeling mostly confident that this guy's going to be just a, you know, a fling if anything, but well, but that's the thing. I mean, I know he, there's no like fling. what, you yeah, can't. she gets excommunicated for being a, they do have a fling though. Being a woman they, they, a thing. They, they make out. So in the let field. me ask you this. They, yeah. They, do they fuck? Cause I don't no. think they fuck. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so either. 
it's because what Harrison Ford says. Like, I if if we made love last night, I'd have to stay, and and you couldn't stay. And there's, I I like that moment. Um, and I like what it means for the rest of the movie because then he knows that he can't stay and she can't go, so he has to go so she can stay. It's it's this weird. But they do like celebrate the romance and passion Uh at dawn in the field, and I thought that was like the exact right. It was, you know, because like what, like acknowledging what are you get? The, the heat there, right? You can't, right? You can't just completely then, ignore it, but also you can't go so far that it destroys your lives. And exactly, and that's like honestly better than getting it in and knowing that you've ruined this woman's reputation right. in her community. And for what, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah, like as Harrison said, he's had many heat in his hand. What's one? <laughs> what's what's one more? It'd be, but. <laughs> I, and I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I really like that. And I was like, when I thought that they might like get it on, like, wow, this is kind of undermining the scene, the movie's thus far best moment. But I, I thought mm-hmm. they, it was played, played perfectly. Yeah. All right. We have more thoughts about the, the, the witness and Amish in general right after this break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, uh, you talked about Daniel not being such a catch and her not being into it, but like, mm. I don't know that scene when she's going out, leaving the town on the train, and he was ghost riding that Amish buggy that was with. Sweet, yeah, that's that's pretty, that's pretty pretty impressive. That's that's pretty styling for that's that's uh yeah uh, about as immodest as as uh, Daniel's going to get. And I think she was eating it up. I think she was uh, she was yeah. she was enjoying it. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, Sure, Daniel has his charms, I guess, um, and especially once Harrison Ford's gone, probably looks a lot better. It looks great standing yeah. next to weird ass Vigo Mortensen. I'll tell mm. you that much. Talk about weird features. Doesn't Vigo Mortensen effortlessly channel Amish energy? Yeah, yeah, he stick a hat on that guy. He's he's he exactly looks like he's, what I imagine. You look like he's 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 his legal name's Graber. Mm-hmm. Why yeah. is he clean shaven? Uh, here, here's what I want to know: like, what Jorgensen. does the beard? signify what what who I gets a beard who a man okay like, i think Vigo's it's like not I, a man is he a young child in this but he's not wearing I the he, child suit the the black hat black no coat, I, but black I, I think he is like one of them like rumspur i think you're supposed to understand he's like a late teen like maybe he just can't grow out a full beard yet but i i, I honestly i'm okay. i i i'm kind of making it up because i've never seen an amish man without a beard yeah but i have seen like amish youth that probably could grow a beard without a beard. And I don't know if there's like the elders like, hey, you know, if you just got scruff, you can be, keep it clean shaved because like, you know, the, what the Lord doesn't want is a patchy beard, you know? <laughs> yeah. And 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 this is, the, all the communities are in agreement on this one. So like, uh-huh. yeah, but I, I don't know. It seems like you should because like, yeah, if you can't grow a good beard, my God. Yeah, that's, that must be a rough life being Amish and yeah. not being able to grow a really great beard. Uh, though some yeah. of those old guys didn't have great beards they had long beards but not great beards uh, th- that brings me to my other uh, question I had going into this movie and realizing okay I see what they're doing here they're turning Harrison Ford Amish temporarily 
I wondered how Amish he was going to get. Like, clearly he's going to be in the clothes, right? He's only got one set of was clothes. Was he going to go him. full Am or was he just going to be kind of Amish? You know, like, uh... <laughs> right. Uh, is he going to grow a beard? I, I wasn't sure. How long is his hair going to get? How much time is he going to spend out here? Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, he doesn't quite get he, he never grows a beard, right? Like, I guess he's been shaving. I don't know if he had a shaving kit with him. I guess maybe they have shaving kits there. He had to have there. been because he was clean shaven. The whole movie. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No Dr. Richard Gimble business here. No, no. Uh, so, yeah, he must have been shaving. I don't know. I feel like it would have been an opportunity for Harrison Ford to grow out a beard. Maybe he's got a patchy beard. Have you ever seen him he with got, a beard? He has a pretty fine beard in... Uh, in, in Blade in, Runner? Um, well, I mean, number one, Fugitive. Hello, Dr. Richard Gimble has a glorious beard. Yeah, and he also has a pretty good beard in Mosquito Coast at parts. I'm pretty sure. I think Harrison mm. Ford can grow a pretty fucking good beard. All right. Well, goddamn, they should have given him a beard. He just wasn't then. there long enough. He's only there for a couple weeks at most. So that's enough to get at least what I got going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Sure. You should have tried. Should have put in the effort. Yeah. Um. I also the other thing I really liked about this movie is because, like, again, it always did the thing that was correct thematically and emotionally, and not what maybe a conventional movie-going audience was expecting. For example, Harrison Ford goes in; uh, he's been transformed by the Amish, but he still, you know, hasn't learned his final lesson, and it's the lesson that uh, the the grandfather tries to teach the son when he starts messing with the gun about, like, you know, we don't have the ability to take lives and resorting to violence. There's always another option. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, the the group of Amish is being bullied by tourists in you know pretty despicable ways. Yeah, and Harrison Ford, you know, it's like oh we we gotta leave, leave, let's go it's not our way, and he's like it's it's my way, and he gets up there and he beats the guy down. And I think uh, like some movies would play that as a moment of triumph. And don't get me wrong, I did kind of enjoy this guy getting his yes. ass thrashed. But like when you look, the camera is sensitive and it pans around to all the Amish, and you can see they're they're. They, their sensibilities are are shocked and mm-hmm. their feelings are hurt that that this guy did this and it brings kind of shame upon their congregation and it's also the thing that puts the entire community at risk so like yeah i love the way that theme of the um it's like you know like because it's like okay you're gonna be pacifist what about world war ii jackass you're just gonna let the fascism t- take over the world mm-hmm. i don't i don't know what i'm telling them, but like you know uh, th- 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 that's that's they're going to be right 99 times out of 100 that then even then there's probably a way out of that situation that didn't involve world war um if things had been played right maybe things played right at the end of world war one so like i i really liked how they developed that theme and played it consistently and like even though that like uh a more conventional thriller I think has Harrison Ford win the girl and beat the shed townies and all the, uh, maybe, oh, yeah. maybe Vigo Mortensen starts throwing punches because, uh-huh. you know, yeah, he's changed yeah. them rather than the other way around. No, I like how right. it works out. Um, and I think the Amish in the world war two situation probably would say that they choose not to fight and, and thereby live to not fight another day. Right. Like who wants to come in and exterminate the Amish? I don't think anybody uh, I don't even think Hitler was looking to do that, right? Um, I don't. I, I gotta say, that's exactly the kind of group that Hitler would get a wild hair to target, probably. But I like, never oh, hear anything people, about it. They don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it's because you know we've never had like a fascist one around weird people up of different nationalities, and religions before. But like, yeah. yeah, these these weird people don't believe in buttons and electricity, and 
you know, the Volk is going forward with progress. And t- yeah, I can see them being targeted. But uh, I know I take your yeah. point that like, um, and also like from an Amish perspective, like if fascist the world falls to fascism and everybody gets exterminated, what's God's will? Right. Because ultimately, none yeah. of us can do a damn thing about the state of the world. And uh, they're like they're big on this concept of yieldingness. Like it's a very Zen Buddhist kind of like you just accept the good and the bad because it's all from God. And if God wants it different, then by God, we've read the Bible. We know he can do that. So sure. we're just going to take our hands off the wheel in, in a really literal sense. And, they, you know, the other argument, I guess, is like, hey, if the Germans were all Amish, we wouldn't have this problem. Sure. You know, cause yeah. we, we wouldn't. They, they've left the way. They've joined the way of the English. They had the true German. And they they perverted it. They apostatized it. Yeah, they've been they've been on Rumspringer a little too long. I'd say they have. They have. Maybe bring them back. The, the <laughs> Nazi Germany yeah. was way too long a Rumspringer. Yeah. Um, among other things. Boy, boy, I didn't think that's where this podcast would go when we started it. Mm-mm. I, I Mm-mm. do want to say though, I I do love that scene as well. Um, I really wanted to see that guy get punched, and he did get punched. Yep. So that was gratifying. But also the way it changes Harrison Ford by the end of it. You know, it's. And that's what is so interesting to me about the finger of doom end of this movie. He doesn't end up shooting uh, any. Well, he does. He he shoots Danny Glover. He murders Danny Glover in cold blood. Uh, murders the other dude, too, with a, a silo full of grain. Uh, but the final boss here is defeated simply by. Numbers and his own realization that he's gotten out of hand right that this whole situation has gotten out of hand and i'm out of control and if i continue down this path i will make it 10 times worse and i think that's like the lesson that harrison ford learned is this is just the beginning me punching this guy is the beginning of a freaking pandora's box then i don't know what's in there and in such a great, there's so much great cinematography in there too, because that scene starts with an Amish with his, you know, every everyone's angry and upset, and there's an Amish with his face coated in ice cream, and it mm-hmm. ends with everyone angry and upset, and there's an Englishman with his face covered in blood. And I think the movie's like, hmm. if 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 they'd wait, if Harrison Ford waits sixty more seconds, then you've got everyone's upset and you got an Amish person with the face covered in ice cream, but, but we're going to ride off and everything's going to be fine. Now yeah. look, you've drawn blood, you know, because you provoked, you made this issue an issue and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he I brought that the, was, and he brought the doom down on himself, right? Like that was the thing that gave away his location. And then the exactly Sheffield and, or whatever his name, Schaefer comes in. And I had in my notes that that Schaefer guy or the chief of police is kind of like a very, the world's most efficient, breaking bad scenario like you know it starts off like ah there's an there's a barrel full of walter white in the police evidence room you'll give me what for it okay Uh, sure yeah and yeah so he's like missed and then he goes all the way like he's like you know season six walt at the end wait putting the gun on women and children (laughs) amish women and children at that and harrison ford the finger of doom like oh you're gonna do you're gonna kill all the women and children right you know um it it's like I said, the more the more I think about it, the more I really admire the complete arc of the movie and how well it tells its themes yeah. with that that visual storytelling. And again, it's, it shouldn't surprise me because I think Peter Weir is one of my favorite directors, and he has done just mm-hmm. like consistently interesting shit throughout his entire career. That's like, you know, like Master and Commander. It's like, yeah, I I like it because it's a sailing movie, but I also like it because it's like got really interesting insights into the human condition. 
and nature of loyalty and friendship and things like that. Yeah. Um, and this movie has something very adult and interesting and deep to say about love, real love for, for fellow, for fellow humans, not mm-hmm. just, you know, romantic and erotic and that, but like what it means to really love a person and to really respect a person. Uh, and it's, it goes both ways too. Cause like, I think the movie is a very satisfying end when the grandpa comes out and, you know, says to Harrison Ford, what he says to his daughter at the beginning of the movie, when she goes off to ride the train to the big city, be, be, watch out for those English out there. Mm-hmm. He says that to Harrison Ford as he's riding off. Now he considers Harrison Ford Amish. I thought that uh, again, yeah. it's uh, it's pretty simple stuff, but like the book ending the movie that way again draws those those themes of empathy and understanding. Uh, you just said the magic word bookend. Um, we've neglected this entire podcast, I think, to say the character name of Harrison Ford. It's John Book, which I yep. think has got to be the worst possible name for a cop. Like, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, j- uh, j- book. <laughs> uh, Bob, we need you to go investigate a string of robberies on candy stores down on 5th. I don't have time for this shit. I'm investigating. Throw the book at it. Throw the book at it. (laughs) Yeah. Like he, he had to take so much shit as a rookie for his name. I can't even imagine. Do things. Got to do things by the book. (laughs) Rookie. Oh, I mean, that's where he flips it around when he's got a rookie partner. Mm. Oh, do things by the book. My way, the highway, you got to do it by the book. Uh, it, I, I was wondering about that because it's like, it feels very biblical. You know, like, oh, the good book. He's the good book. He's literally uh-huh. the good book. Um, and the Amish wave in the good. Uh, but yeah, I was like, yeah, John Book. Huh, interesting. Yeah, it's but it's fine. But that it was is all I can think of. I never thought about the cop puns. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I also thought the other thing is interesting that like rings true is like, you know, these uh, religious hive minds have their downsides. But one of the upsides is it's kind of amazing what you can do what kind of unity of purpose and action you can get when everyone's like on the same page, like Harrison Ford. I imagine in my, I imagine in my neighborhood, you know, like just some random collection of 50 houses, 50 families. If I wanted to harbor a fugitive from the law mm-hmm. and I was like, Hey, 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 look at like, it's a whole cro- crooked cop situation. So people got shot at, so people die, but this guy's gonna have to hide out. And everyone's like, you know, we, we've talked to like four or five, the most respected people in the neighborhood. They say it's cool. There's no fucking way that would work. But yeah. this this community just kind of like goes, and I've seen shit like that happen with my own two eyes. Uh, mm-hmm. The barn raising stuff like that. Yeah. Like I, I think that is kind of I don't know. I wish there was a way. This is something I've been moaning and groaning about for five plus years. I wish there was a way to get that kind of sense of community and and togetherness in a non-religious and just a purely secular situation. Like maybe it is in the neighborhood maybe it isn't I, I don't know but like something yeah, i feel like the hippies because, were, were on to something they, they were starting to get to something Who's like that? that with communes and that all got weird and perverted. Oh, yeah. but yeah. uh yeah there, there's there was something along those lines happening in the 60s yeah they all fucking grew up turned into old boomers and sold everything out yeah so that's the problem no one no one's hard enough to hold that that the uh, society flex there was a bit uh, without of that the in, eternal damnation people <laughs> in line, apparently. Right. There was a bit of that in the Jehovah's Witness organization as well, right? Like there would be Oh yeah. Every spring everybody would come together to like deep clean and really like spruce up the the church, for lack of a better term, uh yeah. the congregation. 
uh, uh, and building they, those buildings, um, yeah. those kingdom halls would get built in the matter of like a week or two. Not, nothing like a barn raising in a day. That was pretty impressive. But uh, they also had power tools. So it's true. They should have done it in five five minutes. Right. Uh, but no, I mean, it's like, you know, like if uh, some of the older ones were taken care of in terms uh-huh. of meals and like the sisters would clean their houses for them and, you know, uh, uh, if you're ill, they'd bring you food and, and uh, keep you comfortable. Um, if you're poor and you lost your roof in a tornado, there'd be a crew of elders and ministerial servants and teenage boys pressed into labor, putting a roof on. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. they, 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 there's a little, little tiny, a tiny bit. bit of that. Yeah. Um. But it does seem like, yeah, if we were more local focused. Maybe we could get some of that back. I also like the idea that Amish are a particularly hard target for the police. I really enjoyed that scene mm-hmm. where the corrupt cop is just like, well, we know the city's it's going to be easy. And the sheriff's like, ha, good luck finding, you know how many fucking laps I've got in this county and how many farms? And he's like, well, I don't know. Could you call try calling him chief? And he's like, yeah, I guess I could try that except for the Amish don't got phones. So I jerk don't know off. Who I'd call. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was a great scene, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's actually a this is a brilliant place to hide up because like they're insular, they keep to themselves. Mm-hmm. Like the townsfolk, they'll probably get deeper, like you know, um, and, and like there's no way you can just like case an Amish neighborhood and not stick out. What are you gonna do? Oh, get a yeah. buggy, you know, like <laughs> just rolling through in a cruiser, and- an unmarked car? You're still gonna have a bunch of hard looks. Like there's, it's. Uh, yeah. I, I thought that was that was cool. And again, it goes back to how clever the the screenplay is and how how well thought it is. There's one thing that I didn't feel worked in this screenplay, and it's the in those final moments when he's facing off against Danny Glover, and maybe we need. We we'll also need to talk about your dad in this. Oh yeah, little I'll section here. It. Actually, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back to talk about that. All right. Uh, yeah. So, so there's the final like chase slash uh, I don't know the the climax of this movie where he's in this dairy farm area, this this barn, and he's being chased by Danny Glover and this other dude, uh, and he ends up using the grain silo as a weapon. Um, and I don't know exactly how this is all set up, but what happens is he lures the guy into the silo and then drops thousands of pounds of grain on his head and slowly fills the thing and essentially drowns him in grain which was wild it wasn't even something i thought could happen hundreds of people died due to grain entrapment every year and this is my one of my father's chief there's two things like my dad had a unholy fear of that i have no conception like as because he grew up my i'm the last i'm the first generation and grew up on a farm in my family my Hmm. dad fucking join the navy during vietnam to get away from and i guess that's a fairly safe place to be uh but 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 to get away from the, the fucking farm life but grain entrapment and like silo explosions what? are the things that like made my dad because like he witnessed someone drowning in, gra- in grain as a little boy what? and one of their neighbor's yard uh, uh, silos exploded I don't, I don't know what makes them explode what does it like ferment in there and then the the fumes from the alcohol. So, like, did like, you when this guy was drain? Then, did you guys was drowning? Did you see like all the parts? He wasn't uh-huh. drowning just because of the way the grain. The although dust. that's what usually kills you. But the dust, and I guess yeah. some of that that flour, that that corn flour and and wheat flour can get like out over years and years of the silo being used, and and can get so fine and it can get so evenly distributed through the atmosphere that when like if a spark hits it, 
mm-hmm. it ignites and it's so so fine that you have such a intense like uh what what do they call that like um uh backdraft uh, when, when, no the when when you have uh more surface area you have like maximum surface area because you have like one molecule of flour which is fuel the one molecule and it's just mixed right and it explodes like a fucking bomb like all of the flour mm. ignites at once due to the oxygen and all that stuff and it just blows these things apart my dad like i don't know how many lectures i got i've never been in a fucking grain silo but like i remember like every single time like we'd get in like the topic come up we'd drive past the grain silos like hey dude's like you know if you were ever in a situation where you were doing this or that and would you ever jump and i know dad i'd never jump in the silo what if it's doing this i'd never <laughs> the like, weekly pop quiz yeah <laughs> he was scared to death of grain entrapment and i and that's i, I did some wikipedia because like yeah i guess hundreds of people die every fucking year because of how ridiculous it sounds like i'm just going to hop in this flatbed thing because something's clogged up i'm just going to unclog it and then you've got like a like a foot of grain on top of you is like I don't know five hundred pounds a square inch. Oh and yeah, you just you just you just die. I could see uh, how like the the physics of how you could die in grain. I just don't know how you get put into situations like that. Like why would you put it's mostly, yourself into a I, I guess silo? It's, it's 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 mostly people like there's an automated thing that's gotten clogged and they yeah. think that they um I could put the harness. But I've, you know, I've, I've done this a million times. I'm going to pop down there and dislodge yeah. it and they slip yeah. or it's like factory you know, workers, all the lines not running right. Let me just hit this thing over here and, and instead yeah. of stopping the line like we should. And, and then you just get yeah. hurt. Yeah. Or someone's mopping up rat shit at the bottom of it. And, you mm-hmm. know, they're they, they're starting because they, hey, you're going to fill it up schedule. today. And I want to make sure it's all. Cl- and then someone starts dumping the grain and you can't hear because it it's so fucking loud. And so, yeah. Wow. Um, but wow, now I'm scared of grain entrapment. Of grain, <laughs> grain entrapment. And there's a horrifying, like, you know, this is this would be like my I don't know. Like I I gotta show this this uh, movie to my dad and just watch him. See if he like has the triggers triggers some <laughs> kind of uh <laughs> intense emotional reaction watching this guy drown in grain. I, I wanna edit the scene from the movie entrapment where Catherine Zeta Jones is going through the lasers and just put falling <laughs> columns of grain now in a grain yeah grain and grain and yeah. he's trying to i don't i don't know putting your ass that high in the air i don't think is uh, a move to avoid drowning in grain i don't know how you like i, my, I remember my dad had my dad actually would like play scenarios like well if you what would happen could you grab like like a two by four and use it to push because it's i don't know it's like it's just a whole you thing. need surface area is what thing. you need like you're gonna you're not gonna be able to swim yeah. in grain uh the grain you gotta try to like it, it, i think you're supposed to treat it like quicksand you yes. know like 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 get on your back and kind of like swim uh-huh. through it because you know and, and and yeah when grain gets in motion man it acts like a fluid yeah no, that's uh, wild uh, speaking okay of that, so that scene the, uh-huh. there's one one thing that i did not like about this movie and it's the bell the ringing of the bell by samuel are you telling me that these Amish people who I would say probably never hear gunshots on their property are attracted by the ringing bell and not the gunshot, the, the huge shotgun blasts that are happening? I guess my read on that is they probably are sheltering in home at the guns because what the you know, Amish, I, I, did the Amish not have guns? I thought Amish would hunt or have not them these Amish, or certainly. But they don't have guns, so I guess they're sheltering at home and, like, you know, hoping that the gunman goes away. But, like, when the church bell starts ringing, like, that's, you're supposed to come and, I don't know, it's kind I of guess. an, I guess if you, 
look at it that a- a- analysis. Like that's an extremely brave act. These Amish are going to silently back up Harrison Ford's fully loaded finger of doom. Yeah, uh, and put, I mean, put the base is, in the finger. Boy, if you hear gunshots and you're that concerned about your your brother, your fellow Amish, yeah, when, you would want to run running? over there. I, but I guess if you like, if if you, yeah, I don't know. I guess if you run in and get yourself killed. Where if you shelter until the until what the police come, I, I yeah, I'm not sure what the play is. There's know. a couple points where I thought there was a little shaky plotting too. Like uh, Harrison Ford's partner brings up the very reasonable, like why don't you call the FBI? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, maybe still go hide in the Amish, but you know you don't have to take on all of Philly alone, man. You like the FBI gets hard for this shit, like police corruption. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they, they I mean they might you know not see it the exact same way, but like yeah, taking money for drugs and selling out the evidence room and killing killing other officers they will take an, an active interest in that uh i think for sure. the excuse the movie uses is he doesn't want the fbi involved because he would have to reveal his location and they would probably get to him and the kid before the fbi could you're in philly fucking drive to langley man or wh- wherever the sure, fucking yeah. the fbi farm is uh i, I forget where i think that was the excuse is, like i don't know it was you're dubious, like a 45 yeah. minute drive from fbi headquarters like Right. Yeah. Maybe yeah. if you're in New Mexico and I don't know if that car yeah, was that, gonna make it 45 minutes, man. That car. That's true. His sister's car is a fucking nightmare. His battery was apparently on the verge of immediate death. So got it got revived just enough to play some 50s doo wop shit. Uh huh. Um, and I like that final was, shot where he drives out. You know, Daniel uh, tips the hat, toasts him, toast his uh, departure, and then you see the birdhouse that he's fixed right and and not only did he fix that birdhouse and make it look frankly better than it ever did um he's he's painted it he's put in some real work here he also made a toy for samuel uh this at least i assume he made that thing right that marble contraption i think so or yeah hmm. yeah i guess that makes sense i was i because i know i I just look at it seems like i trying to recall i just remember the kid playing with it i don't maybe his Hmm. dad made it i don't I think he said that that uh, he got it by the book. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've got a whole bunch of random stuff I want to observe. Like, Do it. I predict. I enjoyed Danny Glover stepping in shit and saying the word shit simultaneously. He said, "I'm t- getting too old to step in this shit." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just like that's just such a human, you know. That's a human thing uh-huh. to do. You step in a big thing of shit. Ah, yeah. You first you step in it, then you say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that. Um, I like the way at the end of the movie, all the ways they code that Schaefer guy is a coward. Like he's like you know he's hunched. He's using this terrified Amish woman as a human shield. Mm-hmm. He's weeping because of like like they're just like showing how. Um, it's just like just just depraved, and how like yeah, you know, what 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 did the Harrison Ford's like? You lo- lost the meaning. How lost the meaning this guy's gotten? Mm-hmm. Um, of course I can't go like a movie like this without observing. It's been forty years at least that we've known that like narco cops are uniquely uh susceptible to like bribes and corruption. Like this has been a thing in movies since like the late seventies. What the fuck are we still doing? What the fuck? What yeah. how? Am I going to go into the grave of us fighting this war on drugs? What the shit? Can someone right. can someone stop? Can someone jump in front of this crazy train? Holy shit! How many Amish kids have to die? Huh? 
Hmm. How many how many cops have to drown in drain grain silos before we understand that this is ridiculous? We got to stop. All right, that's up. That's the episode box. <laughs> okay. Uh, one one other thing I liked seeing was Harrison Ford appreciating this just how spry and strong this old Eli guy is. Like, there's a scene where they're all sitting down for supper or whatever, and dude's in a a wheeled chair. Not not a wheelchair, a wheel, a chair with wheels on it. He spins around, flies across the room, grabs something, flies right back, and he's done in half a second. And Harrison Ford looks over and is like, "Holy shit, that man is eighty five years old, and he can do that. I won't be able to do yeah. that next week. Are you kidding me?" Yeah, there is some great Harrison Ford reaction work. That's like a lot of the comedy, like Harrison Ford milking cows. Yeah, with his milking hat on, <laughs> which is a, I guess, like the Amish keep their straw hats, the brims fall off, and like, here's a milking hat. Yeah, what does uh, that mean, a milking hat? Why do you need a hat to milk? Because you got to cover Ritual? your head before God. I don't know if you're outside. I don't, I don't know. There's probably yeah. some kind of like uh, clothing rest- restriction on that. Like they don't wear like metal buttons because that's like associated with soldiers' outfits and stuff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But Harrison Ford's milking face is hilarious. Uh, when uh, McPherson uh, ha- hands him the his bullets back, and she's kept them in a flower jar, and there's like covered in flour, and he's like blowing them off, and the side eye he gives her is fucking hilarious. Well, bullets uh, covered in flower fire. I think they so. Like they'd have to be pretty. Like in a revolver, I, there's not much will yeah. stop a bullet from coming out if uh, you know the hammer makes contact and the barrel's unobstructed. I yeah. yeah, it'd probably make cleaning the gun a little bit hell, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it makes a pancake every time you fire it too. So <laughs> it does. It bakes a tiny, <laughs> tiny particle of bread. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Here's a here's a movie. Here's the, something I did not like about the movie. Goddamn these '80s movies and their synth tracks. This Ye- movie oh, would be droning. twice as good if you just did the exact same score and got a a, a small sympathy. Sim- symphony to do it you just got yeah. like uh, the philharmonic to step in there and do it because that's and this felt like because it i just associate this cheap synth shit with like mystery science theater grade movies from the 80s and early 90s mm-hmm. and this is not that movie but it feels like it just feels cheap like someone did this on not not even a good roland like high quality synth board just some kind of shitty you went out to Radio Shack and you got the thirty nine ninety nine dollar keyboard with the four basic mm-hmm. rhythms, and you you, you yeah. that's that's what you're playing it on. It's bad. It's bad. It is, and it's a pretty melody. Like some uh-huh. of the stuff is it works. It's just Jesus Christ. I I can hear this the the MIDI breakdown. You know. Yeah, and that that never stops. At the beginning, like there's this droning background key that just doesn't stop. It's a synth that'll go mm-hmm. on forever, and they play it forever. Mm-hmm. It's like a freaking bagpipe. I hate the sound of bagpipes because of that droning sound. And this movie has that in synth form. Uh, the other thing it has that makes it feel pretty old, in my opinion, is a lot of just old filmmaking techniques. Like when there, there are a lot of conversations that happen in wide shots and you don't get nearly yeah. as much of that today. You get a lot more close-ups and stuff to make, you know, to bring you more into the conversation. Uh, yeah. This does kind of the opposite of that. And it makes it feel a little bit old. 
Although I will say there was a, yeah, I recognize that, but there's a couple things I thought were startlingly modern. Like there's a long oneer down a, a, a hospital corridor. Maybe it's a police headquarters corridor where they're doing a Aaron Sorkin walk and talk. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, shit, that felt really modern. Like Dodd just like tracking, going back, yeah. going back. Uh, and it was, it was really long too. Kind of showy. Um, I thought that mm-hmm. was pretty good. Um, but I know what you mean. Like not even 10 years later, the, uh the the fugitive will come out and like it's amazing how much different it is yeah like this you know the the final scenes are pretty exciting like the chase Mm -hmm. the cat and mouse chase through the dairy farm things like that but not even like you know we just saw french connection it has some of the best chase like uh uh, high high intensity chase scenes of all time yeah and this fucking movie ain't it like this is is very it's just weird because i know we're can do action like goddamn master commander um, but I guess this was early in his career. Maybe he didn't have that quite in his, his toolkit. And yeah. yeah, it's kind of like par for the course at the time. The mm-hmm. mid mid budget rom- romantic uh, crime thriller, not not an action film by any stretch of imagination. Um, there is beautiful cinematography too. Like that's the other yeah. thing they do is from selling the lifestyle. Is just some of this is just like the amber waves, man. Like. Every time you did, there's a shot of uh, the wind blowing over a field and it just really sells you on the idea of the atmosphere is fluid, you know, like mm-hmm. it looks exactly like water rolling over a kelp bed or something. It's it foreshadowing for grain entrapment. So <laughs> stuff can look just like a fluid in the right circumstances. It starts off innocent. It's just like <laughs> right. a baby that grows up and turns into Hitler. It'll but get look you how it moves. Entrapment. Yeah. Yeah. It's so <laughs> enticing. So enticing. Mm-hmm. They do like it, everything looks just so fucking lush you know and green and beautiful and like you know you can just smell how clean the air is yeah um, yeah they make it look appealing i can see the i can see the charm i can see why the amish romances fly, fly off the paperback honestly yeah it makes me want to start up a non-religious uh commune and just go live off the land somewhere I, that where we're at with the bald move experience i think so yeah. we're just going to float the idea of a cult okay it, it, all right except we have internet we're the amish but with internet that's, can we that's call it jonestown it. Can, yes. can you call it jonestown because that, sure. that's that's all i ask jonestown <laughs> the, the irony and the irony will be complete uh-huh. uh what what else what else are we what else we want to talk about i, I think i'm think i think that's I'm done. it man uh all right. Well, this was a lot of fun. Uh, this was also this movie was picked. We we had a slate of three movies. Where Jim and I said, you know what? We're thinking about doing these three movies. One of another weird joint, the the Mosquito Coast. We posted this on our um, patron site and invited our executive producer patrons to, to vote on it. Uh, if that sounds like a good idea, and you're a patron, uh, check it out on Patreon.com/slash/BaldMove. Uh, we have another slate of three movies to choose from this week. Mm-hmm. What is the slate of movies this week, Jim? We will be recording either Twister, Fargo, or A Time to Kill, all from 1996. Next, week. none of those, none of those. Those are very different movies. None of them, none of them bad. I am fully excited yeah. to talk about I, any of them. I uh, can't wait to see what the the, the patrons decide. Uh, that's it for us on the Prestige Movie Feed this week. We'll be back with another one next week. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And until next time, I'm Aaron, and I'm Jim. See you later.